0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and
1: girls, babies in their diapers, welcome to the Tiberius Show, with your host, Tiberius Boy!
2: That's me, Tiberius! (sighs) Welcome to the Tiberius Show today, and I'm your host, Tiberius Boy! And as always, we're looking at various jobs and how they affect the world around us. Today's guest is going to be very interesting. We're going to talk to a sportscaster who also officiates as well. Do you have any idea what a sportscaster does? Well, neither do I. So, let's find out. Let me introduce our next guest. The one, the only, the amazing, Ann
0: Montgomery! Wow, thank you for that introduction. That was brilliant. I'm so glad to be here, Tiberius. No problem. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for being on the show, by the way. Thank you for inviting me.
2: No problem. Okay, so you are listed as a sportscaster. For those of my listeners who have no idea, can you explain what that
0: means? Well, there are different kinds of sportscasters. they are ones that go to ball games and do color and play-by-play. Color, would, play-by-play is telling you what you're seeing on the screen, and color is talking about the background, like the. Wh- uh, if, if a player runs 50 yards with the ball, then the color commentator will tell you something about that player. Maybe their statistics or where they went to college. Then there are sportscasters who are more like newscasters. Mm. That's what I was. So that meant that I covered sports and I covered sports at all levels, all, all kinds of sports. And I would, for example, I was the beat reporter for the Arizona Cardinals football team. So I traveled with the team, I went to all their practices, I interviewed all the players. And then every night on the news, I would have to have a story that had something to do with the Cardinals. Um, Also I anchored. And when you anchor, you're a sports anchor, you do all the day's sports on the news, like a newscaster would. Um, Later on, I became a print reporter. So I covered sports uh, as a writer as well. Um, It's a fun job. You get to be where everybody else pays to be. Um, my job might be covering the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers on a Friday night. So, you know, it was, it was a wonderful job. And I, I was a sports reporter for about 15 years. Wow. So
2: this is like an announcer, but you talk all through the entire of the game.
0: Well, I did not do that. I wasn't a color commentator or a play by play person. Meaning I didn't go to the games, sit in the booth and tell the listeners all through the game, what I, what they were seeing. I, watched the game from the press box, decided what the important parts of the game were, decided which players I wanted to interview. And then after the game, I would go and interview them and I would put together a story uh, about what happened during the game.
2: Got it. And so
0: I had to pick out the important parts, like is the story about the fact that the quarterback couldn't hit a receiver all day? is the story about the fact that the star player was injured and couldn't play in the basketball game. So I had to pick a theme in those sports ah. and, and, and do a story, a package, we call it, mm. on that. At other times, I would go out and interview players and do spe- uh, people who were involved in sports, not just the players, maybe the coaches, maybe the sports officials, maybe a trainer, and do a story about the people who, who are involved in sports. That's called a sports feature. So I covered all aspects of sports um, that, but as I said, I didn't do play-by-play or color. Okay, so what sports do you cast for? Uh, I did all sports. Whatever was going on in the sports world that day, um, it could be we had a car race. It could be that we have spring training here in Arizona where I live. So we have 12, 14 uh, baseball teams that come here for sports Uh training, uh, for spring training every year. Uh, We have a hockey team. We have basketball. We have all kinds. Of, we have golf. Um, we have a lot of nature here, a lot of mountains and things. So wow. people do hiking. I might, I might cover something like that. There probably isn't a sport I didn't cover over my career. So it was, it, every day was different. And that's the great thing about being a sports reporter. Wow. Every day is different. Nothing is the same. And you get to go out and meet new people. And again, as I said, I got paid to be where everybody else paid to be. Wow. What a great gig.
2: Really? Wow. So what got you interested in being a sportscaster?
0: That's a very good question. Because when I want decided I wanted to be a sportscaster, there weren't any women doing that. But I grew up and I started ice skating when I was five. And, and I be, went on to become an ice dancer. I was not very good but I had dreams of being an Olympic gold medalist like many young sports people. And as I got older, I realized that was never going to happen. And then when I was in high school, I got involved in something called the broadcast crew. And the broadcast crew was a group of students who who met every morning and did the announcements in school. Well, one day, because I worked with our hockey team, uh, one of the hockey players handed me an announcement and I went to read it. And you know what happened? All the guys on the broadcast crew told me I couldn't read it because I was a girl. They said, girls can't read sports. And I, and I was very lucky that the teacher that was involved in the broadcast crew knew me because I was in a lot of theater and he was a the theater teacher. And he said, if Annie wants to read the sports, she can. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I, I started getting all the sports stories. And the guys got mad. And and they they gave me a theme song and it was Mission Impossible. Have you ever seen the Mission Impossible movies? And he goes, that, 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 that one. They would play it before I did the sports. And then they started calling me Big Ann. And they did it to make me feel bad, I think. But I liked it. So when my mother came to me, when it was time for me to graduate from high school and said, so what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I wanna be a sportscaster. And Mm -hmm. she said, don't be ridiculous. I'm trying to have a serious conversation with you because there weren't women sportscasters. They didn't exist in the 1970s. And so um, when I went to college, my professors didn't believe me either. They said, you'll never be a sportscaster because you're a woman. And I have to say it was very hard for me to become one. I didn't get my first job until I was 28, but I went on to work for five TV stations three newspapers, and three magazines. So I, you know, I proved them wrong. And I kind of like that.
2: Nice. So what did you know that this was the job for you?
0: Um, Because I had a love of sports. You know, I grew up involved in a sport. Um, I had that. And I just like being around athletes. I enjoyed it. I, I, I really liked how hard they worked and how they performed, and I suppose there was a little bit of me that that wanted to be like them. Um, the problem was is that no one would hire me, and because I didn't have, I didn't play football, I didn't play baseball, I didn't play basketball, I didn't have that experience that I needed, and I and that's why I became a sports official, um, mm. and that sort of happened by accident. Uh, One night I went to a hockey game in Washington, D.C., an an NHL game, and I was with my aunt and she brought a friend and her friend was a youth hockey official. Like he did little kids hockey. And he was bemoaning the fact that there weren't enough officials. And my aunt said, oh, Annie could skate. And I said, yes, I can. And he said, you should be a referee. And I said, well, okay, fine, I'll be a referee. And the only problem with that, Tiberius, did you ever skate?
2: Uh, I do roller skating with like the four yeah. straight lines. Is that kind of like the same thing?
0: It's similar. Yeah. The, the movements are similar. The athleticism yeah. is similar. But hockey skates and figure skates are very different. And when I was a figure skater, and figure skates have toe picks on the end. So if you fall down, you just drill them in the ice and stand up. They're for, they're for landing jumps. Mm. Hockey skates don't have toe picks. I didn't know that. I didn't put those skates on until the morning of my first game. No. Yeah. And I was just doing little tiny kids, you know, the ones that have their jerseys down to their ankles and little sawed up sticks. And I went to take a face off and I fell. I couldn't get up. I have little five and six year olds staring down at me. I can't get up. It, It took me three times. And it was, I don't remember the rest of the game. All I remember is that when I was driving home I had an epiphany. I thought, who knows the games better than anybody. Now, players and coaches will tell you that they do, but that's not true. The officials are the ones that. That's read the true. Sports. So on my way home from that game, I decided I would become a certified sports official in the five main team spectator sports, football, baseball, ice hockey, soccer and basketball. Mm. I would do that for five years. And I believe that somewhere in our country, there was a forward-thinking news director who would think that was great and hire me. And that is exactly what happened.
2: Wow. (laughs) So how did the other reporters feel about you becoming a sportscaster?
0: Um, They were not nice to me sometimes. Um, I was the only woman all the time. Um, There weren't even women photographers back then. So uh, while some people were very nice to me, others were not. They didn't think I belonged there because I was a girl, right? Even though I knew all about the games. Um, So I'm not going to lie to you and tell you it wasn't a struggle sometimes because it was. Um, And sometimes people were mean to me about it. But I'm stubborn and I liked my job. So, you know, when people bully you, um, I find the best thing to do is ignore them. Because if you get upset and you cry or you go to your boss, then they get what they want. So I acted like I didn't care and just moved on. Well, is it better now? Oh, I don't. I'm not a sportscaster. I've been a sportscaster in a long time because Mm. um, when I became close to 40 years old, I'm 68 now. I'm really ancient. Um, (laughs) When I was pushing 40, they wouldn't put me on TV anymore because I was too old. They said I wasn't pretty enough to be on TV anymore. And sometimes that happens. It's not fair, but it's what happens. And life's not fair. It's never going to be fair. But in in when I look back on that, they did me a favor. Because after I, I was a sportscaster and a sports reporter, I became a teacher. And I was a teacher for 20 years. And a f- weird thing happened. I never had any children. And... When I went to teach in my school district, I taught in a school district called Title One, where mm-hmm. all, many of the children live in poverty. There's gangs. There's, it, it's just very difficult. They're hungry, that kind of thing. And because I taught there, I ended up being a mom. I became a foster mom, and I have four children. And they're all in their 20s today, and some of them still call me mom. I'm actually a grandmother. And so if, if I hadn't gotten out of television and become a teacher, I wouldn't be a mom. So life is kind of funny that way. you never know where it's going to go. And sometimes things that seem bad turn into something good.
2: Mm -hmm. So what's the best part about being a sportscaster?
0: Um, I got to be, as again, my favorite line, I got to be where everybody else paid to be. Um, I, I enjoyed being on camera. I enjoyed interviewing people. And I think that's a skill that a lot of people don't have today. You're very used to interviewing people, but I bet a lot of your friends would be nervous doing it, right?
2: Yeah. I interviewed some of them and they were very nervous.
0: Yeah. It's a skill you have to learn. And I really enjoyed interviewing people and learning about people. And the the other thing is when you do uh, packages, a package on TV means I interviewed someone. I have some highlights, I have what we call B-roll, which are, is a video of the area, and and then I have to go back to the studio and figure out how to put that all together. And it's like a big jigsaw puzzle. Which part goes where? What am I going to say? I have to write it. You have to be a very good yeah. writer, by the way, to be a broadcaster, because we write, except for the guys who, who do color and play-by-play, who do it off the top of their heads, we have to be writers and when i was teaching sports casting sports reporting i told my students i said you have to be a writer that is the most important thing you have to know how to take those bits and pieces those those that b-roll and the interviews and figure out what you're going to say and stick it all together glue it together as a puzzle and i really like doing that also you're held to a very tight timeline your your boss would say you only get 90 seconds
2: or you only get
0: 45 seconds and that's all you get to tell your okay. whole story so it's storytelling, uh, and it's not easy, but but I really enjoy doing it.
2: Okay. So now as a sportscaster, you have to talk very fast. How do you learn how to do that? Is that like a
0: training program? You're really not supposed to talk fa- too fast because people won't understand you. But there's a time issue. When you watch the news, you watch the news tonight, you'll see there's a section for the sports. And, and they before the broadcast, they'll say, Annie, you only get three minutes. That's it. I can't have more than three minutes, and so I have to do my broadcast in that amount of time, which means I've got to take all of the sports from that night, mm-hmm. go on the set and and figure out how to make that all fit into three minutes, or my package could only be two minutes because when the news is put together, everybody only gets a certain amount of time. so mm-hmm. that's why we sometimes talk a little too fast. We probably shouldn't do that, but it's because we're trying to get everything in in our time,
2: yeah. Okay, so what's the most misunderstood part about sports casting?
0: That it's easy. I can't tell you how often I've sat next to strangers who recognized me from TV and said, I'd love your job. That'd be great. That'd be so easy. I'm like, no, it's not easy because sometimes I'm live on the set. And I've got my earpiece in, and the and the producer and dr- or the director is yelling at me that we're out of time, and i got to cut a minute, and I have to look happy, and, and I'm reading the teleprompter, and I have to figure out some way to drop part of my show. There's a lot of stress involved. Um, it's yeah. extremely stressful. And as soon as you're done with one show, you're working on the next show. So uh, there's a lot of stress. And also, you're in front. Well, I was at ESPN, so I anchored SportsCenter for a couple of years. Wow. and. You're in front of millions of people. And sometimes you make mistakes and you're embarrassed. You know how you make a mistake in front of your friends and you feel kinda kind of awkward? Do it in front of millions of people on TV. Cause then they write you up in the newspaper and say mean things. And again, you have to have a thick skin. You can't take things personally. When you make a mistake, you admit it and you move on. Got it.
2: So how does being a sportscaster make the world a better place?
0: Well, sports, sports are, uh, are a way that we get away from real life. Okay, real life can be difficult. And sports give people something to cheer about. Some other, a different part of, that takes them away from their everyday life. So it, I think sports help people a lot that way in when they're just fans. And let's face it, sports for the most part are good for us. Um, they help us socialize. The biggest thing when you participate in sports is that you learn how to get up after you've been knocked down, okay? You've, you've, you didn't catch the pass. You can't just walk off the field and cry. You have to get up and move on. And as a sports caster, those are the kind of stories I liked. I liked covering people who had struggled and maybe failed. Failure is good for us. It's we fail and we learn from that. So when, when I was able to do a piece on, a, on, a, on an athlete or a coach or somebody who had struggled in life and, and other people see that, it makes them feel better about themselves, I think. They, they see that even athletes struggle, just like regular people. So I think it's kinda, it kind of makes people feel better about their own lives.
2: Okay. Now here seems like a good time to take a quick commercial break. Let's hear over from our sponsors.
1: Oak Ridge Gun Range is a family-oriented shooting range that has been in business for over 30 years. They specialize in basic firearm training and offer numerous services such as consignments, gun trades, gunsmithing, and concealed weapon classes. I even got my training for gun safety at Oak Ridge Gun Range. Great customer service. And firearm safety is what they do best. To find out more at oakridgegunrange.com. Over 40 years, Lighthouse Central Florida has provided education, independent life skills, and job training to thousands of Central Floridians who live with blindness or any degree of vision loss. Whether it's picking out clothes in the morning or just moving around your community and serving Orange, Seminole, and Osceola counties. Contact Lighthouse Central Florida at 407-898-2483 or visit them online.
2: And we are back here talking with Ann Montgomery. Anne is a sportscaster and can even officiate a game.
0: I can. I mm-hmm. actually I can officiate five sports: football, baseball, ice hockey, soccer, and basketball. But mostly over my 40-year officiating career, I did football and baseball.
2: Ah, okay. So, Anne, what's the hardest part about being a sportscaster?
0: Uh, being a sportscaster or an official sportscaster, being a sportscaster. Um, I think it's that people want you to be perfect all the time. And if you stutter or you mispronounce somebody's name, they, they feel it's perfectly fine to criticize you for it constantly. So as I pointed out earlier, um, you have to not let a mean people upset you too much. You just have to say, Oh, well, I'm sorry and do it again.
2: Okay, so what's the craziest thing that's happened while you were working as a sportscaster?
0: Craziest thing? Um, there were so many, I don't even know how to pick it out. I, I think sometimes it's uh, when you're broadcasting live, uh, like when you're doing a live shot, which means you're not in the studio, um, very often you're surrounded by people. And I was covering a Cardinals game And I was doing a live shot and suddenly like a hundred people surrounded me. And I don't know if you've ever been to an NFL game, but they're very loud. And all these people are yelling right around me in the stadium announcers. And I have my earpiece in. And I'm talking on air, but I can't hear myself talk. I can't hear it all. It's coming out of my mouth because the whole stadium's shaking and there are all these people around me. And, and I never looked at that broadcast because I have no idea what it looked like, but it's very strange and crazy yeah. to be to be talking, but to not be able to hear your own voice. And, and that was kind of weird.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird doing that. So, you talked that you also do sports officiating. Can you tell my listeners what that means?
0: Yes, now anybody who's ever played a team sport, or actually any sport, most sports, knows that there are officials on the field, and officials are like judges. And they are people that read the rules and their job is to make sure that everything on the field is fair for everyone. And actually as an official, it's also my job to keep people safe. So in some instances, say a high school football game, um, let's say it's lightning. There's lightning out. It's my responsibility to keep people safe. So I have to say, you know, call timeout and say, I'm sorry, we must clear the field and the stands because we have lightning. Okay. So it's about making sure there's a level playing mm-hmm. field and everybody gets the same fair treatment and about keeping people safe. And it's like that in pretty much every sport. And I'm an, I was an amateur official. That means I wasn't in the NFL or the NHL. I did, uh, uh youth sports, men's leagues, amateur people that play sports a- as amateurs.
2: Yes. So
0: you're the one that makes the rules
2: or no.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. Um, I, the rules are made by national federations. So every year when I did football and baseball, because that those are the two sports I did primarily. I did ice hockey first, soccer and basketball. I wasn't very good at soccer and basketball, so I didn't do those very much. And so baseball and football were my favorites. And every year I had to take a national federation exam. And I had to get a 90 or above every year. And it was 100 questions. So the national federation gets together all the high schools in, in, in wow. the country, as well as the amateur, the, the little kids play by pretty much the same rules as the high schools. So I would have to take a test. They make the rules and I enforce the rules. Um, mm. And uh, are you a football fan at all?
2: A little bit.
0: Okay. I'll give you an example of what we do. Um, in football, there's a penalty called holding. And that's where you're not allowed to grab somebody and push them out, of, move them out of the way by holding them. It's called holding, and it's a penalty. Mm. That it said the rules say you yeah. cannot hold your opponent unless it's the runner and the runner has the ball. Now holding happens all the time on the field, so there's the rules, and then there's the spirit and intent of the rules. Mm. What what that means is that. The rules are meant to make it fair for everybody. So if you're holding near the runner and the runner can't advance, that's not fair. That's holding. But if you're holding way away from the runner and that's not a pen I mean, it's, technically it's a penalty, but we're not going to call that because it didn't affect the play. So as an mm. official, I have to understand all the rules and I have to understand when the rules should be applied. Mm. Um, this, the hard thing is, is that many people don't like us. They don't like the people wearing stripes. They don't like the umpires because they always think that we're calling penalties against their team or balls and strikes, not fair. But I'm going to tell you, there probably aren't too many officials anywhere that really care who wins. Okay, we're just yeah. not fair. Okay, it's about having integrity.
2: Mm, yes. So, why did you decide to become a sports official?
0: Well, as I said before, when I wanted to be a sportscaster, I, I was in high school before Title IX. And Title IX was a federal law that said girls should get equal access to things like sports. It wasn't entirely about sports, but that's how most people think of Title IX. So before that, I didn't have a whole lot of opportunities to participate in sports. I was lucky to be an ice skater, which was outside of school. It had nothing to do with that. So, so today, girls can play football. Girls can play hockey. Girls are on track teams. Girls can play any sport they want. And I I really didn't get to do that. My world was ice skating. So I did grow up with ice hockey. Today, I'd be a hockey player, not a figure skater. I was much better. I would have been much better at that. So the bottom line was I never got to learn the sports by playing. Ah. And and so I couldn't convince a news director to hire me because they're like, you don't know anything about sports. Why should we hire you? So when I became okay, an official, that's true.
2: Yeah. yeah, I learned. So when you're doing hockey, how do you stay out of the players' way and see the details of the game?
0: Hockey uh, was that. That's one of the few sports I never got hurt in. Hockey um, because oh. the hockey officials stay right on the boards. They're not out in the middle of the ice, and oh. much of the play takes place off the boards. So um, you just you kind of if you watch a hockey game, you'll see that the linesmen and the referees are hugging the boards most of the time. They rarely go out in the middle. So that's fairly safe. Football is not safe. Baseball is not safe. I broke my back in a football game. I broke my leg in a baseball game. I've been hit with, I don't know how many baseballs. I never want to be hit with a baseball again. They hurt a lot. Um, so I find football and baseball much more dangerous than hockey ever was.
2: Mm, so it's the coolest part about being
0: a sport official? Um, I like being in charge. And for me, now, here's a test. How many officials, how many uh, referees are on a football field? Four, I believe, right? Well, it's a trick question because it's the same number whether you're doing Pop Warner or the NFL. There is only one referee. The referee Mm -hmm. wears the white hat. The referee says, I have holding, number 73 offense, right? They're Mm -hmm. the ones that speak to the press box. So when I first, when, when my first, 15 years as an official in football, many of the men didn't want to work with me because Mm -hmm. like in sports casting, I was the only woman and they didn't think I belonged there. So after 15 years, I decided I would be the referee. I would wear the white hat. And I stood up in a meeting of 450 men. And I said, I'm going to form my own crew this year. And if you want to work with me, I'll be over there standing in the corner. Because, you know, did they treat me fairly? No, they did not. But now I ran my own crew. So what I loved was Friday night walking out on a field with my crew with me, four guys on my crew, and I was in charge. And everybody knew that because I had the white hat on, and they were always surprised that a woman could wear the white hat. I yeah. liked that.
2: <laughs> That's true. So do you ever have to review the footage of a play to deal with a disagreement?
0: We don't do that at the amateur level. That's only in the NFL. Um Actually, I don't know if they do any of that in college now, but we do not review footage in, in high school unless there's a, a fight or something like that. And then I am not the one that does that. My superiors do that. If there's ejections, if let's say there's a fight on a football field and we eject people and the coach gets ejected, well, there's penalties for that that go beyond the, the game. So my bosses would do that, but I did not, as a high school referee ever, we didn't deal with... We, we didn't have instant replay like that.
2: Okay. So do you ever have to deal with angry fans?
0: Uh, of course. All the time. In fact, um, I, I have been escorted to my car by police officers.
2: Wow. Uh, I had my
0: tires slashed after a baseball game. Somebody knifed my tires. Wow. Yes, because they take it very personally, even though, you know, let's face it. Do I care who wins a high school football game? No, I don't. But they always think you do. And so people think it's no problem to criticize officials. Today, however, it's very difficult. We don't have enough officials. Lots of games get canceled because there aren't enough people to officiate the games. And a lot of that has to do with the Internet today. Because Mm. in my time, if I made a mistake, and I've made mistakes, um, they yelled and screamed at me. And I walked off the field and it was over. Today, they people have it on their phones and then they put it on the internet to slam the officials. And these people g- get threats, Yeah, uh, officials get punched. No one ever, no one ever hurt me physically, but yeah, yeah. people said terrible things to me. And yet yeah. I loved officiating. If you would have told me when I became a sportscaster that I'd keep officiating, I would have said you were crazy, but I loved officiating. And I miss that more than yeah. sports casting.
2: So what's more fun being a sportscaster or a sports official?
0: A sp- I'm a sports official. I miss that. I'm except that I live in Arizona, and tomorrow, this weekend, it's going to be 113. Uh, yeah, this weekend it's going to be 113. I didn't like being an official in the heat. It was very hard, very hard to wear your uniform or your umpire gear. You know, your your shin guards and your your chest protector and wool hats. It's very yeah. miserable but generally I love officiating and I, I retired in, uh, 2009, uh, 2019 did my last football game. Um, and I miss that all the time.
2: Mm-hmm. So do you look at the game differently when you're doing officiating versus reporting on the plays?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, when I'm, when I'm reporting on a game, my only job is to observe the game and in its entirety as an official, I'm in the middle of the game. Um, and I look at, small parts, like as the referee, my job was to take care of the quarterback and to watch holding on the line. I didn't deal with receivers downfield because I'm 40 yards away. So each official on the field has different, a different job. So in the, in the broadcast in the booth, when I'm observing a game and I'm going to write a story about it, I have to see the whole game. But as, as a referee, I only see part of it. So, Mm. and I'm immersed in it. I'm in the middle of the game. So they're two very different experiences.
2: -hmm So what advice should you give to my listeners if they wanted to grow up and be a sports official?
0: I would say first have an interest in sports, get involved in sports now you don't have to be the best player. You don't have to be on a championship team. Just being around sports, just observing the game so that you learn about them is great. You also have to be a very good writer. Um, writing is extremely important because it's telling a story we're telling a story. Um, if you want to be on television, you also have to develop your voice. Um, you have to speak clearly. You have to, you have to make sure people understand you and you have to understand how to interview people. So you can't be shy. Yeah. You have to be willing to walk up to someone you've never met, shake their hand and ask them questions. And that's a skill that you have to learn. So, and you also have to be willing to move a lot. I've lived in eight States. Yeah. Okay? You Ooh, can't get very wow. attached to friends in places because in two weeks you could move. Yeah. Uh, You move all over the country. So you have to be willing to get up and move away from your home. Yeah. And it's, it's a nomadic existence. I loved it when I was young, but I wouldn't want to do it today.
2: (laughs) Okay. So is being a sportscaster easier or harder than being an official?
0: Ah, I'm not sure I can answer that. They're both difficult in their own way. Um, officiating it is my decision-making skills that are tested did i use the right rule did i apply it properly um, did i explain it properly to the coach while as on television it's a little more um, like being an artist um, you have to put your stories together so they make sense it, It's it, people very rarely say uh, they didn't like the way i did a story on the air but they do often say they hated the way I officiated a game. So it's they are different kinds of skills. And I, don't, I can't even really compare them, even though they're both involved with in sports.
2: Yeah. So what's the best way for a future sportscaster to get noticed?
0: Um, I would say uh, you don't have to have a specific college degree. I would recommend going to college because they will help you learn to write today you can go take sports reporting i taught at arizona state university's walter cronkite school of of journalism so you can actually take sports reporting today do that learn how to do it practice doing it in college if you can and then you need to be willing to go to very small towns and go on their stations and learn you don't get paid very much Um, But you can make mistakes far away from anyone you know, which is good. But most young broadcasting hopefuls think they're going to go right into New York or Chicago or or L.A. And they're not. They need to be willing to go to small markets to learn their jobs.
2: Mm -hmm. So what's the best advice you've ever received? And
0: who gave you that advice? Huh. That's hard because almost everybody I ever met told me I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. They always said you can't be a, a Uh, An official, you can't be a sportscaster. Um, I I don't know. the The best advice I learned, and I don't know where I got it, was just keep going forward. And every time someone says no to you, use it as a gift. The gift is I'm going to prove you wrong. Okay. And and maybe it was my brother. My brother's two years older than I am, and I'm dyslexic. I don't know if you know what that means, but dyslexic means I couldn't read very well. And back when I was young, they didn't have a name for that. Mm. Um, They just said I was stupid and lazy. So I was not a very good student. And by the time I was going to go to college, my brother said, you are too stupid to go to college. You will never make it through your first semester. And he bet me $20 that I would flunk out of school. And I would have rather been hit by a truck than let my brother win that bet. So perhaps that's the best advice I ever got. And it's backwards. Because all these people that told me I couldn't do things, it made me work so much harder to prove them wrong.
2: Mm -hmm. So what message do you want to tell children all over the world about doing the work that you do?
0: Again, don't let people tell you no. You know, if you truly believe you want to do something, you have to be willing to work very hard. And when people reject you, you have to turn around and try again. And if I had been easily upset and people hurt my feelings a lot they did did hurt my feelings a lot but i never let them know that never cried in public i went home and cried and and they have to be willing to suffer rejection and disappointment to get what they want
2: Mm -hmm. well on that note let's take a quick break to pay some bills the
1: type of show would like to think Boggy creek day road adventure's being one of our sponsors. I got to go on an airboat and saw a real gator. I even got to go to the gem mine and mine for some gems. We ate a steak dinner at the restaurant and even got some gator rights. If you want to have a blast with the entire family, I suggest you go to www.bcairboats.com right now get your tickets today. The website again is bcairboats.com. The Tiberia Show would like to thank one of their dedicated sponsors, Custom Designs Orlando. These guys are on Mills Avenue and do all sorts of stuff, ranging from photo ID badges, engraved signs, custom braille ADA signs, vinyl lettering to trophies and awards. The cool part about Custom Designs is they can ship products all over the United States. You can reach them at 407-898-0373 and tell them that... Sent
2: you. and we are back with official and sportscaster and montgomery so and have you ever thought about sportscasting over esports or video games
0: um i never did and honestly i had a couple three sons who played video games all the time and i didn't like them i didn't oh. appreciate that they could be beneficial um so I really didn't like it. But now I, I know that in the high school group that I work with, that I officiated for, we now have eSports as an actual high school sport. Wow. And, and I do understand that, that you learn things from eSports. So while I never officiated or broadcast them, I know that they've become very popular.
2: Okay. Well, I like talking about AI. So how can it affect jobs? Do you think AI has a role to play to improve the job of being a sportscaster?
0: Um, the AI, it may replace sportscasters. Certainly sports officials are probably the first people that will disappear yeah. because, because AI will and robot robotics, all that, will take the place of officials. Um, I think a lot of our jobs are at risk now because they won't need us anymore. Um, I'm not sure how that's all going to shake out. AI is a fascinating thing. Um, but I think there will be a lot of jobs that will vanish by the time you're, you're old enough to be working. Yeah. And uh, sports reporting may be one of them. Absolutely. Okay.
2: okay. So now being a sportscaster, it's also like a show host. So it's kind of like a part of journalism, like a reporter. So do you have to do a lot of research before a game, like I have to do before a show?
0: Yeah. Well, if you are, if you are, remember I talked about color and, and uh, play by play. Play by play. They do. They do a great deal of research prior to a game. They have to be aware of all the players and how the team did previously and how they did 10 years ago. I mean, there's a lot there. We do have statistical people who work with them, who hand them notes all the time, but yes, you have to know. And let's face it, as, as a regular sports reporter, when I walk up to a quarterback, I pretty much need to know what they did and where they came from and, and whether they're slumping or whether they're doing well. So there is a lot of background research. Today though, you have the internet to help you with that. Back when I was doing it, we would call people on the phone. So things mm-hmm. have changed a lot. I'm sure they have. So
2: what's the biggest mistake you ever made and how did it change as a person? The
0: biggest mistake in, in broadcasting or officiating? Um, nothing that ever derailed my career. I mean, I, I made, I've made bad calls. Um, sometimes in, in, especially in officiating, uh, you blink, you're tired, you're hungry, you get distracted and you miss something that you should have seen. Um, to me, it's how you handle those things. And I learned something really important halfway through my officiating career that when I made a mistake or my crew made a mistake, because if anybody in my crew made a mistake, it was always on me because I'm the crew chief. And I would go to a coach and say, coach, I'm really sorry. We might've missed that, but we're going to work hard to not do that again. And it usually shut the coaches down right away. They stopped screaming at me. So I made a lot of little mistakes, but I don't remember ever making any that were fatal. You know,
2: good. We don't want. We don't want anything to be fatal. No,
0: no, no, no. Nothing that destroyed my career. Let's put it that way.
2: Good, good, good. Now, can you tell me that one story? You know, remember this is a kids' show. The one story, well, that you're not supposed to tell me about. Come on, you can tell me.
0: Ah, uh, one story I'm not supposed to tell you about. Okay, I was at ESPN. You ever watch ESPN? Okay, and they hired me, and I was an umpire, right? So one okay. day, um, night, usually you get to see your highlights before you go on the air. So you've seen all the play by pl- plays that you've got to talk about, you're comfortable, but very often uh, games would go late. And so you wouldn't see those. And um, one day, a, a young, an intern threw a highlight at me and he said, a fan in the front row at Wrigley Field got hit by a baseball, got hit with a foul ball. Ah, sorry, got hit with a foul tip. Mm. And I knew right away that was a mistake but I had to continue going. And at, we, at the end of the show, there's a thing called a post-mortem where all of the people involved in the show get together in a big meeting room and they discuss what went wrong, what went well, um, mm-hmm. what can we do better, just like you probably do with your death. Mm. And, and I said, Bob, look, there's a problem. A foul ball is a dead ball. It goes out of play. Everybody foul, everybody, you know, if you're stealing second, you go back to first, it's dead. A foul tip is when the umpire does this and it's a strike, Yes. But it's a live ball. So no one can get hit in the front row. He stood up and he called me a very bad name that I'm not going to say here. And I knew that everybody, that some people realized I was an umpire and I should know the difference between a foul ball and a foul tip. And he stomped out of the room. The next day, my boss called me in and yelled at me and said, you apologize to Bob. I said, but I didn't make a mistake. I'm trying to explain to you that there's a foul ball and a foul tip are two different things. Now, wouldn't you think ESPN would want to know about that? Yeah. Instead, they made me say I was sorry to him. Weird. Yeah, I know. You'd think that they didn't seem to care that I knew what I was talking about.
2: (laughs) Well, that's kind of dumb.
0: That's what I said. (laughs) So, is there
2: anything else you think my listeners should know about you? Um know about
0: me well those sports have been you know a big part of my life i have been involved in sports for 50 years um i have other interests um i'm a mineral collector i'm a scuba Mm. diver um and i believe well as much as i love sports i think all people involved in sports need to branch out and do other things i also play the guitar and I like to sing, and I like to be in plays. So my attitude is, is that even though sports were very important in my world, they were not the only part of my world. And mm. I encourage someone who plays football to go out for the school play, to play in the orchestra, to sing in a choir, to write for the school newspaper. I think we should not just be stuck in one type of, of activity.
2: Okay, so do you have a
0: Facebook or website for my listeners about to follow you? Absolutely. My website is Annmontgomerywriter.com and it's Ann with an E, anmontgomerywriter.com, and all of my other links are there. I am an author and all of my books are listed there. Cool.
2: So what's that one question that you think I forgot to ask you?
0: Um, one question you forgot to ask is: why do I like to swim with sharks?
2: Well, why do you like to swim with sharks?
0: Because they're fantastic. They're beautiful, and they 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 don't want to bite us. When they bite us, it's a mistake. It's mistaken identity. That's why they always, like, spit us out. Yeah. Do so uh, you know how many people die from shark bites every year? No. Like 10 on the whole planet. Do you know how many die from falling coconuts? How many? 150. Yet we don't run around going, oh, my God, coconuts, do we? But everyone's afraid of sharks. I'm. I'm. Don't be afraid of sharks. They're. I'm lovely. surprised. I know it's silly. Yeah. Careful well, with the s- <laughs>
2: Yes. Thank you so much, and for you being my special guest. Can you stick around for math corners?
0: Absolutely.
1: Aw, Dad, my computer's slow again, and I can't play my games call your computer solutions today and we will scan for viruses and clean that computer up remotely and make it fast again our phone number is 407-826-0810 thanks dad my computer's fast again now i can do my homework thanks for calling your computer solutions at 407-826-0810 so you want to make an ad for your company, right? Yeah, Tiberius. You want to help me? Okay, so what's the name of the company? PPWND. PP P-P-what? Professional pressure washing and detailing. So you like clean driveways? Yeah, like that. We pressure wash commercial buildings and semi-truck and trailers. So how would someone get a hold of you? Uh, they can visit my site at ppwnd.com or call me at 407-900-7793. So why just tell them to call you at 407-900-7793 or visit ppwnd WND.com? Yeah, Tiberius, you got it. Cut! That's a wrap! Just use that!
0: Tiberius's favorite subject, it's math corners! Oh no!
2: Well, thank you so much, Ed, for helping me with Math Corners. This week, we're going to do some more multi-step word problems. My dad is always good at finding new problems for me to solve. Today, we're going to talk about pens.
0: Pens. Can I mention here I'm really bad at math, Tiberius? I'm going to need some help.
2: Don't worry. You're fine. I got you. Okay. Hey, they're ballpoint pens, okay? Okay. So, they're easy. So, Carson was told to order pens for a convention table. He was told to order three red pens, and then he's supposed to order three more black pens than red pens. Finally, he's supposed to get three more blue pens than red pens. How many pens total is Carson supposed to order?
0: I don't know, do you? I bet you know the answer. Help me!
2: Well, I will. So. The first is a world, world poem because we do know that, the, that people need a lot of pens for a convention table. But usually they're all the same color, not different colors. So it's unrealistic. But let's go with it for the sake of math. So. To solve this issue, you first have to figure the amounts we know for sure. That is the red pens. He needs three red pens. Next, you can figure out how many black pens by adding three. So, he will need six black pens. Finally, you can figure out the amount of blue pens by adding three to the red pens, and you get six again. Well, that was easy. Now, comes to the fun part. You gotta add all the colors together. So, you get the six blue and the six black make 12, and you finally add the three red, and you get 15 total pens that he needs to order. Well... That was easy so Anne, do you ever have to order different colored pens for a project
0: I don't and I'm very bad with numbers and I'll tell you as a sportscaster that was a problem because I mentioned I'm dyslexic and so I was always turning the sports the, the sports scores around so I had to write them out in words so I would do them right
2: <laughs> okay well my teacher said that I would use math every day how do you use math in your work
0: Oh, well, as, as I said, as a sportscaster, we had to deal with scores. As an official, I had to deal with yardage, meaning if there were penalties called, multiple penalties on a play on both teams, you have to go how many yards this way and how many yards that way. 10 in baseball, I had to keep, Yeah. and baseball, I had to keep track of balls and strikes. Um, I, on a daily basis, I've got to go to the grocery store and buy my groceries and make sure I have enough money to pay the bill. So, math okay. is every day, everywhere. It's just that for some of us, I, I think some of us aren't wired really well for math, but you, you are and use it. It's a gift.
2: Okay, so thank you so much, Anne, for helping me with Math Corners.
0: You're quite welcome.
2: And now it's time for The Heart of a Lion. As you know, we talk about the qualities of living, but the Heart of a Lion which stands for Leadership, Integrity, Obedience, and Ability. This week, we're going to talk about obedience. For me, I think obedience is being fully committed to doing what is pleasing to God. The qualities of obedience are compliance with a good attitude and respect for the laws. You know when someone is obedient when they follow instructions willingly and truly. Well, I was at a video shoot this week and my dad told me to stay close to him and watch and learn all that I can, but very important to stay out of the way of people running around. There were lots of people moving all over the place, moving props and equipment, and two people bumped into each other and a camera dropped. This is not one of those inexpensive cameras. My dad immediately looked to make sure I was not involved and I had been sure to stay out of the way of people moving and was watching all the stuff going on. This was obedience and following his instructions willingly and thoroughly. The director could not blame the accident on a kid being on the set. So, Anne, did you see your use obedience at all this week?
0: Um, maybe not this week, but when I was an official, it was very important. I had to, uh, be obedient to the laws I was given to, or the rules I was given to enforce. And it was always my hope that players and coaches and fans would understand and willingly follow those laws as well. I think obedience is part of everyday life for the most part. Maybe we don't think of it that way all the time, Mm -hmm. but, um, I, it, you know, you, in order to get along in life, I think you need to uh, obey the principles around you, the, the the laws, and 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 what other people need, and I, I think it needs to be part of life all the time.
2: That's true. Well, if all of all the heart of a lion virtues, which is the one that you see the most?
0: Integrity. Integrity has been part of my life because, um, as a as a reporter. And as a sports official, truth was extremely important. And even if I was wrong, I had to stand up and say I was wrong. And when I was on television, I couldn't i couldn't lie about people. I couldn't not say the truth. The j- journalism may be a little different today, but in my time, your word was the most important thing. And in television there, reporting, there's a thing called uh, saying something off the record. And what that meant is someone would tell you a story a coach or a player and they'd say annie please this is off the record meaning they didn't want me to use it and it might be a big important story that would make me famous if i went on if i went on the air with it but i never did that i never broke my word to anybody mm-hmm. who said this off the record to me integrity is very important when my children have not been totally honest with me that upsets me more than anything else i don't <laughs> lie to anybody else and i don't want anybody to lie to me so i mm-hmm. think integrity is the most important thing in my world
2: well, we should always try and be lying strong in everything we do, shouldn't we? Yes. And that's our show, folks. I want to thank the one, the only, the amazing, well, Mike for being on my show. It has well, been so much to talking to you today. I think we learned a lot about being a sportscaster in the world of officiating.
0: Well, thank you so much. I've had a great time, Tiberius. I've really enjoyed being on your show. No problem. Do you mind giving your social media and website again? Yes. My my website is annmontgomerywriter.com. That's Ann with an E, annmontgomerywriter.com. And all of my social media accounts are there.
2: Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Tiberius Show. And I would like to thank WWPR 1490 AM, kint 98, Soul Radio 24-7, Easyway TV, and all the other stations that air on my show. Please be sure to visit The Tiberius Show on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. And have you subscribed yet? I'm going to do it right now. Good. <laughs> oh, and be sure to comment if you want to be a sportscaster. I love finding which job kids may want to grow up and try. Also, be sure to see us next week on the Type Show with your host, Tappy Yes, boy!